As you can see, if you haven't been here, uh, we're in the book of Joshua on Sunday night. We're in chapter 2, and uh, tonight uh, we're going to be talking about the faith crossing of Rahab. But we're going to look first at the first two verses of Joshua chapter 2. Then Joshua the son of Nun sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. Now, uh, sometimes we look at passages of Scripture and we ask questions about it. We tend to philosophize, as we often do, uh, and we say, why in the world did they go to the house of a harlot? Well, one of the things you've got to remember is this has got to be, your concern has got to be overruled by the overarching purpose of God, who desires that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And while this is somewhat veiled in the Old Testament, particularly in the story of the conquest of the land, when he's about to send them over to take the land and to destroy, it seems, everybody, it's also clear in the book of Joshua that any repentant city our person, our family could have been spared if they put their trust in the Lord. And this is illustrated in the life of this woman, Rahab. I'm convinced that God guided them there because he wanted to demonstrate the greatness of his saving love. Now, I want to remind you, and there are going to be three slides that will help you remember or introduce you if you've not been here to what a faith crossing is and how we define it. A faith crossing is an obedient response to the call of God upon your life. Simply defined, that's what it is. It is moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. That's number two. Number three, it's a faith crossing because you're trusting God with the uncertainty of your journey. Uh, but you trust God, and that's what faith is. It's trusting God in the face of any uncertainty and going forward with your faith in Him. Now, behind the scenes of this story, it's clear that, that God had been moving in Rahab's life. That's unwritten. That's unwritten. But when you read the story, when we read the whole chapter, and we're going to do that in just a minute, You'll see that clearly. The Spirit of God had been stirring in her heart, and when these travelers knocked at the door of her home, we're thinking about outreach in the future, knocking on the doors of people's homes. Do you think that they thought that they would be well-received? Maybe they thought they were just going to be like a Chinese balloon and float by without anybody noticing them. But they had to go knock on somebody's door. Maybe they thought this would be the best place to be unnoticed and Strangers often perhaps came there, and so they went and knocked on her door. It turned out to be a divine appointment. Uh, for Rahab, these were beautiful feet that came to her door. They were feet sent by God. So tonight, we'll see how Rahab moved from where she was to where God wanted her to be. We'll see her be obedient to the call of God upon her life, and we'll see her trusting God with the uncertainty of her journey. I suggest to you that Rahab makes one of the greatest steps of faith in all the Bible, 
And if you think I'm mistaken about that, I would just call your attention to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, where she is listed in the roll call of faith, the heroes of faith in the Bible. So we're going to begin now reading in verse 2 of Joshua chapter 2. It was told the king of Jericho, saying, apparently he had better intelligence than we do, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who've come to you, who've entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark, that the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stacks of flax, which she laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan and to the fords. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now, in many ways, the story of Rahab could be considered as the first faith-crossing that ever took place in the promised land. It's a remarkable story, not only because of who she was and what she was when, she meet, when we meet her, but also because of what she did and what she became. Why did Rahab act as she did? Well, number one, and this is number one in the message tonight, we want to consider the condition in which she made this faith crossing. Now, when we talk about Rahab as a person, three times in the book of Joshua, she's referred to as Rahab the harlot, a prostitute. Twice in the New Testament, she's called by that same name, just a common prostitute. She was a sinful woman in a very sinful society. But I suggested to you earlier that the Spirit of God had been stirring in her heart. Now, before we look at the evidence that he was, we have to consider why in the world would God be stirring in the heart of a woman like that? Well, all we have to do is read John 3.16, and there we read that God so loved the world, and we consider what Paul said when he said that God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So no matter what condition a person is in regard to their own personal sinfulness, God loves that person and desires that person to be saved. When God calls you to make a faith crossing, don't say, why would God call someone like me? He calls you from where you are to be where he wants you to be, and don't let the condition of your life at the moment hinder you from taking a step toward God. I guarantee you that we've all done that. Uh, perhaps you did that before you were saved. You've done that since you were saved. You looked at the condition of your own heart and said, based on the condition of my heart, I cannot follow God. I can't be obedient to God. But he's not surprised by who you are or what you are. It's the desire of his heart for you to do for, uh, for, for, to do for you what he was about to do for Rahab. And what, he, what was he about to do for Rahab? He was about to save Rahab and bring her into his family. So we considered the condition in which she made 
the faith crossing. She was what she was. She was who she was with all of her sin. God spoke to her. He stirred in her heart, and he called her. Second, we're going to consider the convictions that moved her to make this faith crossing, and there are three. Number one, consider the conviction that she had about her own life. Now, as far as the rest of the world, Rahab, Rahab's sin uh, and her sinfulness uh, was kept safe within the walls of Jericho. But God was about to bring her sin and the sin of every person in Jericho into judgment. Uh, when Jesus met the woman at the well, you might remember that the thing that surprised her about the Lord Jesus was this. She went back and told the men, here is a man who told me everything that I ever did. You think Jesus could do that about you? Do you think he could look at you and list off all your sins beginning from the first one that you remember or maybe some that you don't even remember? Yes, he knows that about us all. He knew everything that she did. He knew everything that Rahab did. He knew everything that you've done. He knows your heart. And, and Rahab knew that judgment was coming. And if that judgment comes, it'll fall on all sinners. Rahab knew that the judgment of God was going to fall on her, and we know that from the story as it unfolds in the, in the book of Joshua. She was doomed both by her sin and in her circumstances, and although she dwelt in a walled city that had been safe from any other intrusion, those walls were about to come tumbling down, and Rahab and her family would encounter the judgment of God. So first, she was convicted by her own sin. She had sin in her life. She knew the judgment of God was coming on her city. She was convinced of that. Second, there was her conviction about God. Now, Rahab didn't know a lot about God, which you don't have to know a lot about God to be saved, do you? You just need to know that he loves you and that he cares about you, that he has a plan for your life. He has a better plan for your life than the one you have for your own life. And so Rahab was responding to the light she received. She'd been listening to the news. They didn't have Fox News and CNN and cell phones. All she could do was listening, listen to the hubbub in the city. And that probably came from the men talking to the other men. And then they'd go home and talk with their wives. And then the ladies would talk when they'd go to draw water at the well. Or maybe some of the men that came through talked to Rahab. And she was listening to what the people were saying. Look at verse 8. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, Here's her convictions. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were before beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you, because of the Lord your God. For the Lord your God is, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. That was the conviction that she came to. She came to a conviction about her own sin. She came to a 
personal conviction about who was who God, who their God was. He was God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Their God was a holy, mighty God. And she stated that all the people of Jericho had come under that same profound sense of conviction. But she was apparently at that moment the only one responding and drawing those conclusions. Now, finally, she came to this conclusion uh, that, all, that the Lord had given you all the land and that uh, uh, things bad were about to happen. So first, she came to the conviction concerning her own life that she was under the judgment of God. Second, she came to a conviction about God that he was mighty and that his promises were true. And third, she came to a conviction about the danger that her own family was in. Now, we've been talking about sharing the gospel, spreading the gospel, going out into our community and witnessing to other people. But our first concern, our first concern is for the members of our own family, is for our parents and for our children and for our grandchildren. Look at verse 12. She said, Now, therefore, Please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Verse 14. So the men said to her, Our life are yours. If you do not tell this business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. She surveyed the circumstances and she realized that not only was her life and her soul in danger, but the life and the souls of her immediate family, that all of them, all of them were under the judgment of God and were about to be destroyed with the city. Now when Rahab gets to heaven, and she will, because she's listed in the roll, roll call of faith. And Hebrews eleven thirty one 31 says, By faith Rahab the harlot did not perish, along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. When she gets there, she will find a harvest of souls who were saved because of her desperate intercession. How many of, how many of us are desperately pleading and deeply concerned for the salvation of our father and our mother, our brothers and our sisters and all who, are belong, who belong to them. They are no less doomed if they die without Christ than Rahab was and her family there in the city of Jericho. So first we considered the condition in which she made her faith crossing. Second, we considered those three convictions that moved her to make a faith crossing. And third, we need to consider the evidence of her faith crossing. Where in the story does it tell us that she did anything? Well, I'm reminding you now that a faith crossing is an obedient response to the call of God upon your life. It is moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. It is a faith crossing because you're trusting God with the uncertainty of your journey. Here is the evidence of her faith crossing. It's in verse 15. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, that she, so that she was living on the wall. 
She said to them, Go to the hill country so the pursuers will not happen upon you, and hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers return. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be free from this oath to which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down, and gather to yourself into the house your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. It shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be free from the oath which you have made us swear. She said, according to your words, so be it. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. That day, she didn't wait until tomorrow. She didn't wait three days because it was going to be three days. Uh, they were going to hide themselves three days. She didn't wait one day, two days. She did it then. And, and they gave her that instruction. She didn't have to think about her decision. She didn't postpone it. It was urgent. And so when God calls you to make a faith response, when he speaks to your heart, there is always an urgency about it. When God speaks to you and tells you to do something, you don't wait until tomorrow to do it. You respond immediately to the call of God upon your life. That was Rahab's evidence of her faith crossing. She put that scarlet cord outside her window and it hung outside her window for three days hanging there as a witness to her faith but no deliverer came because no deliverer was the spies were still hiding not to be deterred she let that scarlet cord hang outside her window until the 10th day of the first month because that was when Israel finally crossed the Jordan but no deliverer was yet in sight the scarlet cord hung outside her window until the 14th day of the first month. That's when Israel camped at Gilgal and observed the Passover. But still, no deliverer came. She's still waiting. She's still waiting in faith with a scarlet cord hanging outside her window. She could have pulled it up. Nope, it still hung there. She waited in patient faith, and that scarlet cord hung outside her house. Then one morning, there was marching feet, and the army of Israel marched around the city one day, and still no deliverer came. Then two days, then three days, then four days, then five days, then six days, then seven days, and then on the seventh day, there was a shout, and on that day, deliverance came. Now, we have to look a little forward in the book of Joshua, but to me, this is a wonderful passage of Scripture in connection with this story. In Joshua chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, when the walls came tumbling down, Joshua gave the command. Here it is. Go into the harlot's house and bring the woman and all she has out of there as you have sworn to her. So the young men who were spies went in and brought out Rahab, 
and her father and her mother and her brothers and all she had. They also brought out all her relatives and placed them outside the camp. She was delivered because of that scarlet cord hanging outside her house as an evidence of her faith. God, I'm trusting in you. God, I'm hoping in you. God, there's no goodness in me. I'm just a harlot. I'm a nobody. I'm nothing. God, I know judgment is coming. God, my only hope is in you. You are the God of heaven and the God of earth. God, please save me. God, please save my mama. Save my daddy. Save my brothers. Save my sisters. Save all my relatives. And she gathered them there and they were all saved. Can God still save a Rahab? Is he still in the life-changing business? Can he change the life of a person deep in sin, an adulterer, a homosexual, a prostitute, a criminal on the street or behind bars? As a matter of fact, I was somewhere this week, somebody, where, where were we, prayer meeting, Brother John Henry gave the testimony of all the people that have been saved in prison. God saving people. He's still in the life-changing business. And he changed Rahab. Not only did he change her, it's because of her that you and I are here today. Did you, do you remember, do you recall the legacy that belongs to Rahab? She married a man there after she was saved. His name was Salmon. They had a little boy, little baby boy, and they named him Boaz. And he married a Woman sort of like Rahab. He married a Moabite woman. Her name was Ruth. And they had a little boy and they named him Obed. Obed had a little boy, named him Jesse. Jesse had a little boy and they named him David. And he became the king of Israel. And through him came the promised Messiah. The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is related to Rahab, who God saved mercifully, wonderfully, when she hung a scarlet cord outside her window and said, God, you can do this. I'm counting on you. No matter how long it takes, I'm trusting in you. I'm not good enough. But God, you're great enough, and I'm going to make a faith cross. Let's pray.